y'all. This is John Lawrence with the Anesthesia Guidebook. This episode is coming out on March 19th, 2022, and is number 72, Thrive in Training, Finding the Balance, with Tamima Luchansky and Maya Kelkar. This is the sixth episode in our series on Thrive in Training. The Thrive in Training series is designed for physician and nurse anesthesia residents and is geared to help you understand the tools you'll need in order to not just survive anesthesia training, but thrive all the way through boards. In this episode, I'm joined by Tamima Luchansky and Maya Kelkar, the two SRNA reps to the AANA Health and Wellness Committee, to talk about how to find balance in anesthesia training. Now, if that immediately sounds impossible to you, then you're listening to the right podcast. We're going to talk about a very concrete way of looking at your life and some specific tips for how to manage the incredible challenges that we face as anesthesia trainees. I've always thought that balance is a bit of an elusive concept. Like, what do people really mean when they're talking about finding balance in your life? And it's an even more elusive state of being to achieve. Like, what does it actually mean? So thankfully, the National Wellness Institute provides a pretty simple framework to help us better understand what finding balance looks like in real life. They call it the six dimensions of wellness. You can think of it like this. There's six domains in each of our lives. Social, emotional, occupational, physical, spiritual, and intellectual. Tamima and Maya are going to talk about each of these domains, what they look like in their lives as anesthesia trainees, the specific challenges they face in each domain in anesthesia school, and then tips for how to thrive in each of these domains. The thing that clicked for me when thinking about the six dimensions of wellness or the six you know domains of our life is that you're able to find balance in your life, very practically speaking, when you put equal energy towards each of these six domains. So you're not just focused on your career. You're not just focused on the occupational domain, which includes your finances or, or making money, but you're actually intentionally taking time to develop your social domain, your emotional domain. You're putting time and energy into your physical well-being, you know, to actually exercise and eat well your spiritual and intellectual domain as well. And then, you know, recognizing that your intellectual domain is different than your occupational domain, that there's things that you can do to strengthen your your mind and stay engaged uh, and intellectually curious that have nothing to do with your job. So this is really a comprehensive framework for how to look at your life. And when we give equal time and energy to each of these areas in our lives, we're able to find balance. We're able to live a healthier life in one that is really more fulfilling. So for anesthesia and other healthcare trainees, a disproportionate amount of energy is usually placed on developing the occupational domain because we're in school and we're working you know, towards passing boards. It's, it's an overwhelming time in our lives where it feels like the only thing that we can put time and energy towards is the occupational domain. And so it's important to recognize when there's times in our lives when we are intentionally out of balance, when we charge in one domain harder than in all of the others. And that can be okay for a period of time. It can result in a concentrated period of extreme growth and development. But for the long term, understanding what each of these domains looks like in your life and working towards putting energy into each of them can help you build real wellness, actual resiliency, and a very tangible and practical sense of balance in your life. I'm so grateful that Tamima and Maya took time out of their busy lives to join me to talk about the six dimensions of wellness in this episode. Both of these women are SRNA representatives to the National AANA Health and Wellness Committee. 
Tamima told me that she actually became interested in volunteering on this committee after she heard a prior podcast on the Anesthesia Guidebook with some of the other reps to the Health and Wellness Committee. So she heard the, about the work that they were doing. She thought it might be interesting, and that actually led her to apply. And, and now she's on the committee and uh, giving her time and energy to promoting what they're doing. And Maya came up with the idea of doing a deep dive on this specific topic, the six domains of wellness, after listening to a talk that I gave at last year's Idaho State Association of Nurse Anesthetists virtual conference on provider wellness, where I talked about this. And actually, next weekend, I'm headed out to Ohio to meet with the Ohio State Association of Nurse Anesthetists, and this will also be one of the topics that I'm talking about at Ohio, uh, provider wellness, and we'll touch on these six domains there. So... Uh, if you're in Ohio, I'm headed your way next weekend. I'm stoked about it, looking forward to it. But I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from Tamima and Maya today on the podcast. Both of these individuals have very powerful voices, and they are on a mission to help other SRNAs thrive in their training. I couldn't find a way to trim the show down from around an hour and 20 minutes. It's a long podcast, but we talk through so much, and they give wonderful practical examples of how to work towards a healthy state of balance and wellness during your anesthesia training. So break this show up over a few commutes or a couple workouts. Let us know what you think on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or as comments on the website. Speaking of the internet webs, the show notes of this episode has links to journal articles and a quick PDF rundown on the six dimensions of wellness from the National Wellness Institute. We also link to the American Association of Nurse Anesthesiology's website for student wellness, which hosts a ton of resources for SRNAs who are actively trying to make it all work during training. The AANA has put a huge amount of effort towards fostering proactive wellness initiatives for SRNAs and CRNAs in the last few years, and I know that these are having far-reaching impacts in the anesthesia community. So thank you to the folks in the Health and Wellness Committee and at AANA for really emphasizing this and also for promoting the shows that we're doing on Anesthesia Guidebook that have to do with SRNA wellness and provider wellness. And that reminds me that uh, Tamima and Maya will be hosting a live Zoom session for SRNAs that they're calling SRNA Shared Experiences through the AANA. These are free live Zoom sessions with a focus on peer-to-peer support in a judgment-free zone. These are by SRNAs for SRNAs. Participants will talk about the SRNA experience and how to be successful and well in anesthesia training, pretty much how to thrive in your training. The next session is actually just two days away, Monday, March 21st. Now, these are going to run every other month. So if you miss Monday's session here in March, uh, the next SRNA shared experience will be in May. So you can circle back and join other SRNAs from around the nation for these free peer-to-peer support sessions. So I want to tell you a little bit more about Tamima and Maya, and then we're going to get right onto the show. Tamima Luchansky was born and bred in Baltimore, Maryland. She worked in Baltimore at a medical ICU for two years and then did two and a half years of travel nursing in several hospitals throughout New York City in a mix of ICUs, which included a cardiac ICU, surgical, and CT ICU, where she got a variety of experience before CRNA school. She's currently in the inaugural DNP nursing anesthesia class at Johns Hopkins University with an anticipated graduation date of 2023. Maya Kelkar is a second-year nursing anesthesia student in the Gonzaga University Providence Sacred Heart Medical Center nursing anesthesia program. 
She's from Atlanta, Georgia, and her nursing background is in the pediatric ICU at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. The PICU is where she became passionate about healthcare provider wellness after seeing high levels of burnout and compassion fatigue among her colleagues. And she was involved in the wellness initiatives in her unit and for the hospital. She continues to promote wellness among anesthesia providers as one of the student reps to the AANA Health and Wellness Committee. And she told me that she remembers citing from the head of the bed in her grad school interview and is thrilled to be on the podcast. And so with that, let's get to the show. Well, Tamima and Maya, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so stoked to talk with both of you about the six dimensions of wellness. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, pumped to be here. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. That's awesome. So just so the listeners can get a little bit of intro on your voice and who's who, uh, Tamima, tell us a little bit about where you're at in school, um, what program you go to, and kind of where you're at in the program. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Tamima. Um, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm in the Johns Hopkins uh, DMP program in Baltimore. Um, I am more than halfway done. That's what I say. I'm more than halfway done. I'm in my second year um, out of three. And yeah, real in that clinical and didactic portion now, because we start off just didactic and then year two and three is didactic and clinical. So awesome. Right in the heat of things. Nice. And Maya, how about you? Yeah, I am actually from Atlanta, Georgia, and I am a second year SRNA in the program at Gonzaga University in Providence Sacred Heart Medical Center. And echo the feeling that I am more than halfway done. I'm in semester six of nine, um, and I'm soon going to have that NA3 hanging from my badge, which feels really good. Nice. That's awesome. And Maya, it's good to see you again. Of course, we just met out at the Idaho State Association of Nurse Anesthetist Conference. Uh, so good to see you again. You as well. Go Zags. Go Zags. So let's jump in and start talking about the six dimensions of wellness. So tell us maybe a little bit about, you know, what got you interested in talking about this? And then uh, we'll jump in with the first dimension. Absolutely. So I actually think I heard a talk that you, John, did the previous year at IDANA. So back in, let's see, 2021 at their winter meeting, I believe. And it was actually about the six dimensions of wellness and how they relate to anesthesia providers. Um, and I remember it being super impactful, being really tangible when a time when wellness ideas are great, but they're not always really actionable. I was like, wow, I can actually implement this and implement some of these changes in my life. And I did and was happier and doing better in school and then managing my life because of it. And so wow. I was like, wow, if we can do a podcast, this is a great choice. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That's really cool. How about you, Tamima? What got you stoked about this topic? Yeah. Um, when Maya brought up this topic, I was like, Yes, that is wonderful because being in CRNA school is so hard in like every area. It's just hard all around. So I really like that kind of like acknowledging what what areas are hard, what areas are being challenged, and then focusing on what we can do to keep our wellness and keep us sane and keep us, you know, thriving instead of surviving through um, CRNA school. So, um, yeah, I really was stoked about this. Thought it was a, a great idea to talk about. Nice. So let's jump in with the first dimension. So first up on the list is occupational. So who wants to go first and unpack this for us? Yeah, I can go first. Um, so really, when I think about occupational, it's really the personal satisfaction and enrichment in one's life through work. 
Um, and CRNA school definitely challenges that. You know, we were successful ICU nurses before school, and now we're novice students again. It's really challenging. And while that period of growth is certainly worth it in the long run, it's often hard to find satisfaction in the work I'm doing at clinicals because there's so many new ways to learn. Preceptors do things a different way. What's right today isn't right tomorrow. Ways to improve. And there's so much critique each day that sometimes it's really hard to focus on the progress instead of just getting lost in the the daily struggles. Um, And really trying to dive into that and nurture this dimension of wellness is really, for me, reflective, realizing that this time in school is temporary and will lead to a very rewarding career once training is over. I celebrate the small wins. So we had to 175 IVs our first year of school, and I definitely celebrated when I hit my 175th and stopped having to go in early on class days to go start IVs in pre-op. Also just intubated with a bougie for the first time last week, and it felt great. And I celebrated that with a preceptor. And just taking the time to acknowledge and celebrate new knowledge and skills really helps me still have that occupational wellness, even as I'm such a novice and so new at providing anesthesia. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. What do you think, Tamima? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That first bougie also, I relate to that. (laughs) It was so exciting. I was like, I used a bougie. Um, No, yeah, totally just echoing what Maya is saying. It is so hard to just be so new again. It is so hard to like be good at something, be good at your job and then be so bad at your new job because you know, you're new. And, um, I, uh, I just remember like my first day in the OR, I remember like fumbling with medication. Like I'm an ICU nurse for four and a half years. Like I could draw up meds. I was fumbling with like putting EKG leads on my patients, like basic nurse. I was like, what is happening? So, um, But yeah, just definitely what Maya said, like really focusing on like, don't forget to look back, like look back at where you were, like don't because, you know, you're always we're in school, we're struggling, we're growing every day. There's something you need to improve on. That's why we're in school. There's always going to be stuff you're not good at. But like taking that time to really stop and look back at where you came from. I'm just remembering like when I first started and all my inductions were like a mess. I did not understand the flow of induction. Like I just didn't get it. It didn't go smoothly. And then now I'm in my, you know, almost six months of clinicals and induction is like pretty strong for me. Like I I feel pretty good with my induction and my emergence now is kind of where I'm struggling and working on that. So you could either be like, oh my gosh, I'm terrible at emergence. I'm terrible at emergence. Like, I don't know how to do it, how to emerge. But like, instead I like see like, Hey, I got so good at induction. Like I, I, you know, you got there, you were bad at it. And now you're good at that. That's going to happen again. Like be proud of that. And you're going to get there with emergence. Also, you will get there. So don't forget to frequently stop. Remember where you were. Remember where you got, like what you improved on and give that the motivation for you and the you know, encouragement that you will get better at this new chat, like challenge or task. Cause you will always, there will always be something that you're not good at. You know what I mean? There need needs more work with. So. Yeah, totally. I think the theme that y'all are hitting on that, you know, you build kind of incrementally these slow, these small little achievements uh, and building blocks th- that put the puzzle piece of like becoming a comprehensive anesthesia provider together. And you've got to celebrate those small wins along the way. Cause otherwise you do feel like it's just, unrelenting constructive criticism and there's all I can remember a very high achieving SRNA a couple of years ago who was an exceptional critical care nurse was just so beat down by every single day it didn't matter if she was improving on her goals for that day there was always something that the CRNAs were able to pick out that she needed to improve on and that that little bit of and, and like that's a 
it's a functional thing for preceptors to give you is that feedback of where you can improve. But she said that really wore on her after several months of like constantly feeling like, you know, you make this big achievement, you're stoked that, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, you get your first day line or whatever. But then you leave the day with like, but you could have done your pre-op interview a little bit better. And you're like, ah, you know, you're still like trying to just polish the whole thing. So I, I feel like in terms of the domains, I mean, we started with occupational. This is kind of like where SRNAs live. It's where anesthesia residents live, right? Like, obviously, we are on this path to change our occupation, to become anesthesia providers. And I feel like these other domains can seem almost out of reach. So I'm really excited to hear what you say about these other domains. And let's pick it up with intellectual and talk about that and how to cultivate that in anesthesia school. Yeah, that sounds great. I can, um, and just to add on what you're saying, another reason why I'm just so pumped about doing this is that I think in anesthesia school, we do focus so much on that first domain, on occupational, like almost all, like SRNAs just like focus on school and my job. But like, there's all these other aspects that are being challenged that might not even be realized. Like people might not even be realizing that these are areas in their life that are important to like focus on and to help just be good. So yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, Awesome. Just pumped. I'm so, so, yeah, so, I'm the, so stoked. <laughs> um, to jump in too with one more comment on yeah. that. I think, John, you've actually I've heard you say before, and this has been going through my head more often this week than probably ever. Life doesn't have the privilege of stopping just because you're in anesthesia school. And, you know, I think that's why these wellness dimensions are so important, because even if you're laser focused on improving your occupation, improving what you're going to do day in, day out for your career the rest of your life, you still have to nurture these other areas of wellness. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's all of these other areas that we're going to talk about. And to your point, Maya, I mean, just let's just go ahead and get it out there. What? Tell us what happened to you this last week because you're like life doesn't stop, but like we know the backstory. So share that with listeners. What's what's going on in your world right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I am roommates with another one of our lovely second year SRNAs at Gonzaga. And while I was out on out rotation, I get a phone call um, right as I'm like dropping off the patient and pack you. And I get a phone call that our apartment has flooded, um, like gallons of water per second dumping into our apartment, um, pretty massive overhaul of like our lives in, you know, a 20 minute time span. And so currently almost a week later, our apartment is completely uninhabitable. We have like massive fans, um, and dehumidifiers everywhere. Our belongings are primarily shoved into about two thirds of my bedroom behind this plastic, like sheet to try to keep them a little cooler because our apartment's been being heated to 100 degrees. Um, and I'm in temporary housing with my roommate as we try to navigate just kind of what's next. But, you know, anesthesia school doesn't stop. I was away at a clinical rotation. We didn't have anywhere to stay. I stayed and did several days of clinical down in Pullman, Washington, which is where I was. And, you know, I think wellness is more important now than ever as I try to survive and not quite thrive, but at least survive the next um, couple months while I get back to hopefully thriving in anesthesia school and just, you know, all those other dimensions have come into play as I continue on this occupational path. Oh my goodness. Yeah, emotionally. And so, some days all you can do is just survive and, and thrive is just out of reach. And that's the reality. So you were at an out rotation. I mean, who did someone go by and move your belongings? Did you have to come back from clinical and do that yourself or fit that in? How, how did that like just logistically go? Um, my roommate really gratefully was working in evening clinical. We do that a lot of times for OB because as we know, obstetrical services don't stop at 3 p.m. 
Um, and so she was about five minutes away from leaving from clinical when she heard a loud crack um, and water started to fall from the ceiling. So thankfully she, one of our neighbors, her dad and some other friends were able to move. Oh my goodness. She belongings. was home when the water line she was broke. home. Mm-hmm. Wow. Terrifying. Had she not been, this might've been a totally different story where I was saying all my belongings, including, you know, my laptop, my school issued laptop for research, my textbooks, all might have been destroyed. Oh my goodness. Well, Maya, I'm glad it's not as bad as that, but I know that's a huge disruption to you right now. So, and your roommate. Uh, so, good luck to both of you as you are flying in some temporary housing and trying to make it happen. And thank, thank you, you for thank you for still making time to, to to do this podcast. So, whatever both of these ladies are saying is from the core of who they are. Uh, but you definitely know when someone's going through it that they mean what they say when they're talking about wellness. So, uh, so let's let's hit the next dimension. Let's talk about the intellectual phase of our lives and how that. Um, is still significant when we're going to anesthesia school. Obviously, it's significant in terms of learning anesthesia, but there's also other ways that your intellectual domain is is important. So, uh, Tamima, what do you think about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I actually interpret it as, like, intellectual regarding school and didactic and the challenges of being in school. Um, It is just, like, a ridiculous amount of information, and it is very, very challenging for me, at least, because there's, um, you know, a lot of textbook reading, a lot of self, you know, self-teaching you have to do, as well as your lectures, um, and it's very frustrating to spend, like, hours and hours on a concept, on a medicine, on a, um, you know, pathophysiology, and then two weeks later, you it comes up again, and you don't remember what you studied, like, that for me is so frustrating and it happens to me so often. I'm like, I studied this, I knew this, like why can't I pull it out again? So that's very frustrating because I devote a lot of my time to looking up this information. Um, But you're just, it's that information and then it's like drinking from a water hose. Like that's how people talk about it. It's like, here's this and this and this and this and this. And it's like, well, what about that first thing? It's it's just, it's very hard. It's very, very hard, very frustrating. for me, like intellectually. Um, um, so that's the challenge. And what we're trying to do is kind of bring up a challenge and then kind of bring up a way to help with that challenge. So, um, I just wanted to say for the people who haven't started clinicals and are just doing the didactic portion of it, clinicals really helps. It really helps. At least for me, I'm sure a lot of other people, it really helps solidify some of these drugs, some of the information that you're learning, um, putting pieces together. Once you take care of a patient with liver failure, you just remember that day. You remember what they looked like. You remember how they reacted. Like That's real life things that happen that just stick in your brain much more than memorizing like three paragraphs of something you just read. So that's like one thing for me. Um, And then another thing or suggestion that's been helpful to me is learning like one thing every day at clinicals, focus on one thing. So let's say a preceptor the other day, like asked me about the oxyhemoglobin dissociation curve. And I was like, oh man, shoot. And I like to not crush that question. (laughs) I think every anesthesia provider at some point in their career could say that. I did not crush that question when asked the first time. (laughs) Yeah, so that was my focus of the day. I was like, all right, go home. Draw this out on your whiteboard. Remember this a little bit better. So um, just focusing on one thing every day at least has been very helpful and doable for me. And you'll be surprised at how much kind of kind of built on that, I think. Cool. Maya, what's your take on the intellectual domain? 
Yeah, I'd love to jump in. Um, going off of what Tamima said before I forget, I feel like the one biggest intellectual help to me in school has been mnemonics, especially funny ones. Um, because as soon as you said oxyhemoglobin dissociation curve, I have a mnemonic I learned when I was like studying for my CRNA school interviews that is still stuck in my head. And so I will say finding mnemonics or making my what, own funny what, mnemonics what's, is one way. What's I the mnemonic? I know. I was like, are you just going to teach? That <laughs> um, it is cadet, C-A-D-E-T, shift right. Um, like a command a drill sergeant would yell at you. And so it's the things that shift your oxyhemoglobin curve to the right. So increase CO2, acidosis, increase 2,3-DPG. Um, exercise and an increase in temperature. And there you go. I like that. Nice. Okay, I think Tamima's is scribbling that down. Maybe I don't know. I wrote, <laughs> my hands are going. <laughs> again, just picture it in a drill sergeant voice. So anything for me again that's funny or memorable um, definitely sticks. And so that's the way I do assist myself in the intellectual domain. Um, nice. What I really thought about when thinking about this is that school is so intellectually challenging and stimulating. But I also strive and really like to be an overall intellectually curious person and not just think about anesthesia 24-7, 365. And so I actually really work hard to find some way each week to engage my brain in something intellectual that's not related to anesthesia, which may sound crazy. Um, but for me, this kind of looks like look, listening to podcasts on topics I'm interested in, whether they're you know anesthesia adjacent, like infectious disease or something like that or not like things related to the outside and the science of why we do some of the things we do I also do crossword puzzles and sometimes jigsaw puzzles and I've actually started uh, reading nonfiction before bed as a way to widen down at the end of the day these help me stay engaged intellectually but also to take a break from thinking about anesthesia every second I also like to say that sometimes those aha or light bulb moments come from the strangest sources. I very distinctly remember one day we were learning about cholinergics and anticholinergics and pharmacology, another area where there are so many mnemonics and I get them all confused, like the sludgy bee and the dumbbells and all that stuff. Um, and then I listened to a podcast about plant-derived poisons, talking about belladonna um, that actually atropine and scopolamine are derived from, so the plant that those medicines are derived from. And ever since then, I've been able to remember the symptoms and the treatment and, you know, mix and match those things for cholinergic and anticholinergic overdoses. And it sounds crazy, but finding ways to stimulate myself intellectually outside of school has actually helped to solidify some school concepts. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, well put. I think that it's interesting, you know, I, I can't pull out like the studies and data and stuff off the top of my head, but I know that you know, research on how people learn things, sometimes taking those little mental breaks and focusing on something other than the concept that you're trying to drill into your mind can help kind of just rest your brain for a moment or refresh some of the pathways in your brain that you use to integrate new knowledge and information with. So not saying like you should get lost for 45 minutes on Instagram, uh, but maybe playing a quick um, you know, crossword puzzle game or something like that. A friend of mine, I'm a little late to the game, I know, but a friend of mine just turned me on to Wordle. Have y'all been doing Wordle? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, you, do you know about Wordle? I've heard about it. <laughs> oh, it's, it, well, this is perfect for the anesthesia student because you can only play it once a day and then it's not available until the next 24 hour period. Oh, wow. That's uh, great. But it can be a, a way to kind of take that break. But I think in terms of, you know, globally on the intellectual domain, uh, Tamima, as you said, you know, this is just, 
it's like occupational. These are the first two big domains that are really all consuming for SRNAs and anesthesia residents that this is where we live. And I can definitely remember feeling like the only thing I had time or capacity for was anesthesia when I was in anesthesia school. I wouldn't learn anything else. Like even it's simple stuff like I don't know how to do a recipe or whatever I was like I ain't got time for that Uh, I'm cooking food I know how to do because I gotta like do these pharmacology flashcards while like the mac and cheese is boiling on the stovetop or whatever so um, it can seem completely consuming and I think I would interject as you know a CRNA in this conversation that there is hope for life after anesthesia school and one of the most fun things for me after school was to actually read something for fun like the, the first book that is not anesthesia and you don't have a project due or whatever can be really fun. And now that I have a little baby, you know, flipping pages isn't really a, an option, but I've shifted to audiobooks. And, you know, I still obviously in, in, am engaged in a lot of anesthesia stuff uh, with being a clinical coordinator and running the podcast. But having like an ongoing audiobook that has nothing to do with anesthesia, it's just kind of a fun way to stimulate your brain in ways that are not career or occupationally oriented. So definitely taking care of that intellectual domain in a way that uh, is outside of your occupation can be really refreshing and healthy. And you might get there someday if you actually get through anesthesia school, all for all the SRNAs listening. (laughs) Yeah, my husband and I, we talk about LAS. We say life after school. Yes. We are so excited about LAS. Is he in healthcare? (laughs) He is. He's an ICU nurse, and he's actually studying um, to get his MP now. So. Oh, so he's also in school. He's in school also. He's a, he's a, he's amazing. He's, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> and he takes care of me and us and he's, he's good. <laughs> That's awesome. Shout out to, uh, to Mima's husband. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Ruby. <laughs> nice way to go, Ruby. Nice job. Uh, well, Hey, let's tackle the next domain. It's emotional. I know this one is, is really key for anybody undertaking really difficult endeavors, like getting through anesthesia school. So, uh, I think Tamima, you're going to lead us off with this one. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like I can talk a whole podcast on emotional, uh, in CRNA school. It is crazy. It is an emotional roller coaster. I really just, I like very much relate to that. It is like crazy highs followed by lows, followed by another high. My husband is like wonderful. And he, you know, he kind of knows he's like, so is it a good day or bad day? Like, where are we at? Where, where are we at with how we're, how we're doing today? Nice. Um, so, um, yeah, it's really hard. You can have, like, you'll be rocking it. You feel like you're good with your intubations. You feel like you're good at your A-lines. You're good at talking to your patients. Like, you're starting to get the hang of things. And then, like, suddenly you're just missing intubations or suddenly you're just not getting things and you're just you're just messing up. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really hard. And then imposter syndrome is huge is such a big real thing um where you just we're so hard on ourselves like we're just so hard on ourselves and we think that like um yeah like how can I be doing that I'm doing such a bad job I like how am I even here I should be doing better so um very easy to be to be hard on ourselves I think all of us as like ICU nurses are just that's a little bit in our blood to just you know be, be a little tough on ourselves. So it's, it's, it can be very hard. Um, and, um, I don't want to talk too much about the challenges of it, but, um, ways to help how to like be strong and emotionally well and feel good. Um, give yourself some slack, like be kind to yourself, be kind to yourself. You are doing something 
so hard, so challenging, that is so time consuming, and you're probably juggling a million other things at the same time, even though you have this thing that's fighting for every single moment of your attention, and being a novice on things and growing and working, it's it's not easy. It's not easy at all to wake up so early for full days of like constructive criticism, which can just knock you down, knock you down. Like it is not, it is not easy. So be kind to yourself. Know that it gets better. Um, if people just keep telling me, trust the process. And that's what I do. Just tell yourself, I'm doing my best. Like I'm doing my best. This is all I can do. You are because we are doing our best. We are all trying as hard as we can. We are all studying as best as we can. We're trying to be as balanced as we can. And that's all you can do. And we will get there. Everybody else has. Many other people have gone through this and are happy CRNAs with a life right now. Um, And then I will just give one other shout out to um, something that the AANA, um, my and I as um, the health and wellness reps, um, we do um, every other month we do an SRNA. It's called Shared Experiences. So it's like a peer-to-peer support um, Zoom session that's by SRNAs for SRNAs. Um, and we have mental health professionals as well come in and we talk in a non-judgmental, you know, safe environment where we all share about challenges that we all are going through. And personally, I have found it very helpful. It's very nice to connect, to just, um, connect with other SRNAs around the nation and know that you're not alone. There's something that makes it a little bit better when you know you're not the only one going through these hard times. So that is something if you haven't, if you guys haven't, um, heard about that, go onto the ANA um, website and, uh, we do it every other month. So it's really nice to get to connect. Nice. Are they on set days or is the schedule change? It's, it's posted on what day is that? So March, 21st, I think is our next one. Um, and then there will be one two months later, but you'll see it on the ANA website, what the date it's going to be free sessions. I, I imagine free. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, is there limits to how many people can join? No, no limit. Oh, there you no. go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds like a really cool opportunity. Thank you to both of you for, for making that happen. So if you're looking for an opportunity to connect with SRNAs outside of your program in a safe space, non-judgmental, and get some support, uh, definitely log on. We'll link to that uh, information for the AANA's website in the show notes to this podcast. So check out the podcast. Go to AANA.com. There is a ton of resources for SRNAs in terms of wellness on the website. So uh, thank you for bringing that up. And um, Maya, what's your take on the emotional domain of our lives in anesthesia school? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would like to add, in case this comes out before then, our, uh, Tamimo is exactly right. The next SRNA shared experience is March 21st. And this is going to be kind of a top SRNA questions answered um, forum. And so if you have any burning questions about being an SRNA surviving school that you want to ask, um, just go to the SRNA wellness page on the ANA's website and you'll be able to submit those questions. Awesome. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the emotional domain of wellness, and I have to say one domain of wellness has probably taken a hit most during school for me. It's I'm, I think this one, um, when I think about like emotional wellness, I think about, you know, accepting my feelings and other people's feelings and, you know, anesthesia school is this really long period of feeling like the work is never done. You know, you never have a to-do list that's completely empty. There are always things we should be doing, which can, you know, for me, bubble up in feelings of guilt. It's also just emotionally exhausting. 
And so much of training is also learning how to work with others. And this requires a lot of emotional intelligence. I never realized until I really got in the OR how much of how my day would go was, did I, you know, have a good rapport with the circulator, with the surgeon and with my preceptor and with, um, you know, any physician anesthesiologists I might be working with. And so I do my best to remember that both I and everyone else in the operating room is human and subject to different pressures. I try not to take it personally when someone snaps at me because I never know what they're going through. You know, I was probably a little more on edge this past week than I normally would be as a learner in the OR. And I accepted that. Um, and I take time to acknowledge and handle my own emotions as best I can. So this past week, I felt really frustrated. I felt a really large loss of control. And I found ways to try to mitigate that as best I can, whether that's as I was driving back from an out rotation, calling, um, you know, some childhood friends to just talk about things other than anesthesia or chatting with um, other SRNAs in my program or with a mentor who's already graduated school who understands the challenges of CRNA school um, or journaling frustrations or clinical mishaps so then I can move forward with a more positive outlook. I don't think being emotionally well is not, not never, sorry for the double negative, having negative emotions, but it's recognizing them and working through them and just knowing that again, like Tamima said, this is all temporary and it's a period of intense stress and upheaval but there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it will be done someday. There is, what is it? Life after school? LAS? <laughs> LAS. It's coming. <laughs> a little bit of dose of LAS for your emotional well-being. Yes. Yeah. It's I, go ahead to Sorry, John. I just want to add what, from what Maya was saying that um, the challenge of having a difficult preceptor um, is something I, I wasn't so prepared for or didn't right. know about, didn't realize um, and I think I'm very grateful. I think as time has progressed and where we are today, I think there used to be more of a, an acceptance of bullying in the OR. I think it kind of was like a rite of passage I, I, from, from just what I've spoken to people and heard about and their previous experiences. So like some humiliation in the OR kind of being talked to not like talked not nicely to like not like you're a human being um was it was like okay that was kind of okay and I think we're progressing towards that not being okay um and I'm very grateful for that and I just um you know that's uh, I would just highly recommend to other SRNAs out there that we understand we're the bottom of the totem pole that's fine we are students that is okay and uh we are we are good with putting your ego at the door people have more experience than us and and learn and it's okay if you feel bad a little bit that's all right it's okay but there is something different there's a different um when pre if a preceptor here and there is like rude to you mean cursing throwing drugs at you or um, just not treating you like a human being. I don't need to be treated like a CRNA. I could be treated like a student, but I'm, I'm an adult human being. Then I provide respect. I respect everybody else. I love working with other people, learning from other people. And I do believe we deserve that level of respect as well. Um, and so I'm very grateful that I feel my program is very supportive of us and me. And if you ever have experiences of those scenarios, bringing it up to either your clinical coordinator or bringing it up to your, um, whoever it is at your school that you can bring it up to with these specific examples that maybe there are some people who just should not be precepting if, um, and that's what's happened. And it can completely change a clinical experience. It can completely, I, we had one place that had one really not nice preceptor and, um, the pro it was a great rotation. Like it was a really great rotation that was just getting tainted by this 
like one very challenging situation and it could just kind of be easily fixed. So I would just recommend like speak up respectfully if you really feel maybe a little, a little abuse. I don't know how to, but just not a right situation. If you feel it's not right, um, then you should really speak up. Yeah, I think you put that so well and I would completely support and back everything that you just said that I hope that culturally we are across specialties, you know, physician anesthesia, nursing anesthesia, not just anesthesia in surgery training as well and just nursing education. Hopefully we're moving away from that period where, as you put it, bullying and incivility were were more tolerated, even seen, as you said, uh, eloquently as a rite of passage for people to, uh, to, to work through in their educational journey. Hopefully we're moving away for that. I, I, from that, I think that, uh, to me, I'm, I'm on a bit of a mission to try to help, uh, SRNAs and CRNAs understand that like, you don't, you don't have to be rude or mean or condescending to like, you don't have to beat people down to get them to perform at a high level of clinical performance and excellence. Like you can set a bar really high and actually be supportive for your trainees in order to get there. You can show them the path. It doesn't mean you're hand holding or coddling or whatever. Like one of the fundamental theories of adult education is that adults are highly motivated to learn. I don't know if I've ever met a group of people who are more motivated than SRNAs to figure stuff out and achieve because you're used to doing that as high performing critical care nurses. Like you, it's very uncomfortable as you both have been talking about to not know what you're doing in the early phases of clinical. So you're already like intrinsically motivated to figure stuff out. And I think as CRNAs, we have a responsibility to show you that path, to show you the way forward, but also to support you in getting there. Yeah, provide constructive feedback, iron things out, including, you know, attitudes or whatever that need to get ironed out. But there's a way to do that in a, in a way that doesn't beat people down and actually builds people up. So I, I would also second you in saying that if you're an SRNA that is experiencing bullying, incivility in the workplace, uh, to speak up that, you know, someone has got a boss eventually that, that will recognize that as a... Uh, not tolerated behavior and that will get ironed out at some point. Yeah. Hopefully. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that is tough. It's such like there could be a whole podcast, I think just on that. Well, I mean, we did one a few, a while back on incivility in the workplace uh, with Joshua Lee and Kelly Gallant, who was one of the former health and wellness uh, committee um, student reps uh, to AANA. But um, that's a really deep, topic that uh i I think and you also summed it up really well it is abuse in many in many instances i mean the there was a thread on social media a couple years ago about what people have experienced from their preceptors and i was mortified i mean physical abuse sexual abuse emotional abuse uh just things that should never happen to srnas were happening and and in some ways were being condoned by the silence of others you know and those kinds of things just shouldn't be tolerated. So, um, anything else? Point, yeah, so go for it. I would, um, I, sorry, I'm so chatty. Um, just a point, a point to um, few, like applicants to CRNA schools. This is something to think about when you talk to people about schools. Yeah. Like, 
finding out is this school kind of supportive of the students like are they there like I that that's a big deal like I definitely am grateful for my school I feel a culture of support and focus on our wellness and every every program has its different um personality so find out about that when you're applying to schools as well I think yeah talk to current students you know sometimes the professors won't tell you the you know they're not going to show you their dirty laundry you know but talk to current students not just about the program faculty, but the clinical sites. Are there any problem clinical sites? Are there any issues that are going on? How has the school responded to that? Uh, those kind of things can be really helpful. And find a program that is supportive. There are programs out there with uh, professors that are supportive. They create environments that are conducive to learning, and they also assure that the preceptors at the clinical sites are you know, functioning adults who are working on becoming better clinical educators. And, you know, schools can have a zero tolerance policy for bullying as well, and they can help iron that out in their clinical preceptors. So lots to say about that. Anything else on the emotional uh, domain of our lives before we move on to the social domain? I'm sure there's more we could say, but I think there is. let's go there. We hit there it. So we hit it. We we hit it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. And it's totally okay to be chatty. That's what podcasts are all about. Uh, so, and speaking of being chatty, let's talk about the social domain. Uh, so, uh, Tamima, do you want to head this one off again for us? Sure. Yeah, I can head this one off. Um, socially. Okay. Yes. So, um, definitely different aspects that are challenging socially. It is very hard Um, for your friends and your family and your loved ones to, um, you know, if you're just not around, you're not able to be there as much. You're not able to be as good of a friend. You're not, you're, you're just so busy. Like you are just so busy and thank God if you have really good family and you have good friends and, um, spouses, they'll understand to an extent, like to an extent I think is, is true because, uh, you can't really fully understand it unless you're an SRNA. Like, you're just like, really? Like more? You studied eight hours. Like, you know, my husband's the type of guy who just like gets things. He just gets them. So he can like, stu- and I, it is so frustrating because I'll study with him for like farm exams. And then like two weeks later, I'll be like, oh yeah, what about like cardism? And he was like, well, you know, you said blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I don't remember that, but uh. <laughs> you do. <laughs> he like heard me studying and I was like, you're so annoying. <laughs> yeah, but, totally. um, yeah. So, um, and then for me also just personally, and I'm sure, um, everybody, um, I got married in school. Oh, um, congratulations. So that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Today is my one year anniversary, actually. What? Yeah. Congratulations. Why are you doing this yeah. podcast this evening? <laughs> well, I know it's the antecedent school, but you should be, you should be <laughs> celebrating. I know, I know. Well, I'm in Georgia now um, for a, 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 like a regional rotation. So I'm anyways, we're away from from each other. You He's should be like on a Zoom all- call with your husband, sipping wine or something. I don't <laughs> do that after He's this. You work and he's work. He drove me down. We drove down. We did a road trip for the anniversary down here, and okay. then I dropped him off at the airport this morning. So okay, that's sort of acceptable. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Uh, but that's yeah, that's really hard. He's beyond wonderful, but being married in school is really hard. I like it is very scary. The divorce rate in school, like for SRNAs, that is scary data that is out there. So, um, it is a real challenge. Um, it's just very hard because for me personally, and I think a lot of other people, like your relationship is more important than your career. Maybe for some people it is number one, like he is number one to me over my career. I do um, feel that way, but in the moment 
you almost have to choose school over him you for now like school has to become number one and that's very hard for a significant other to feel like a number two when right. you know they should feel like number one so that is very hard that's very hard and for classmates of mine their husbands are are across the country they're away from their husband for three years that is really hard like so either way it is hard it is hard like either way um so um, I won't talk about it too, too much, but um, ways to help and things that have gone better um, um, is so date night. We do date night. Um, and when we try to spend time together, like really try to spend that time together, try to like limit that, close that off, even though you have five million other things pulling you. Like right now, I know I still need to prepare for my clinical day tomorrow. I still have to like look up some things. I have to prepare my lunch. Like there's still so much to do, but try to just be here in the now um, because we're so busy we can come a, a little self-focused maybe a little self-centered it's a risk because we just are so busy so try to like focus on him try to focus on you know on your on your friend ask about their life what's going on with them try to take that moment to to focus on them and not be so focused on yourself um, and um, yeah the same thing with like friends like if you're driving home from clinicals try to call them and ask about something that's going on in their lives like I know we're so focused on ourselves but try to try to focus on um, other people and um, Maya you can uh, pick up from here because I feel like I'll have more to say maybe after but uh, sometimes I get I get in a in a ramble so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so to pick up what you said you know we all have different challenges when it comes to that social connection and nourishing and supporting that social connection. You know, I, I moved from Georgia out to Washington state for school um, and definitely wasn't expecting a pandemic to come barreling down the pipelines at me when I made the decision to go to a school that was, you know, a days long plane right away, as opposed to being a 45 minute drive away from family. Um, definitely not what I expected and COVID really challenged my ability to visit or connect with classmates in person. So I moved to Spokane, Washington and had to move myself into my apartment completely alone. I remember it was 102 degrees. Um, and I didn't know a single person who lived in Spokane. And so I think having a pandemic and also being in school, moving cross countries definitely really challenged that social connection. Um, and several of my classmates, like Tamima mentioned, are living apart from their partners while completing school. It's also really hard to have to miss life events. You know, I've missed countless birthday parties and meeting friends' kids for the first time and weddings and things like that just because school has to come first and you really have to triage and prioritize what things you can really take time off for. Um, and ways to help that, I think, really take the time to call. It could be um, a drive home from clinical or it could be on the way to an array rotation. I know... I had some big life events this past week and more than one of my friends called me on my drive back from Pullman back to Spokane, Washington, just to check in on how I was doing and chat and be a distraction. And it's a great time because while you could listen to podcasts, you could listen to music. It's a great time to connect with others. Um, set a FaceTime or a Zoom date and stick to it. I know I had a lot more. Um, I missed my family pretty significantly when I moved so far away. I didn't get to go home for the holidays my first year in school, which was really challenging. But we spend a lot of time on FaceTime and you still can get that emotional connection, even if it's through, you know, your computer screen, just like we're doing right now. It's a little, I find it's a little more connecting than just chatting on the phone. And I think it's crazy that pre-pandemic I hadn't even heard of Zoom and now it's kind of like a lifeline. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think I yeah. think one thing that my family has gotten better at because you know my wife and I we live way up in the the you know right upper corner pocket of the United States up here in Maine. And our families are far away. And so we have gotten better at the ultra short Zoom or FaceTime. Well, we, we pretty much use FaceTime because most of us are on iPhones. So we, uh, my family in particular, we used to do these like hour and a half to two hour FaceTime calls. And they, I mean, I love my family, but they, they could be like exhausted. You're like, oh my gosh, I got to get on with my day. And my wife's family were into like her and her sister are more like, high frequency, low time commitment. So they'll FaceTime like three or four times a week, but it's for three or four minutes at a time. And they're checking in with each other's kids and, you know, talking about stuff. And there is no shame in being like, all right, got to go. Boom. See ya. Because it's not this, like, I'm going to chat with you for two hours next month. They're, they're checking in on a regular basis and it's, it's like way more manageable and it is more fun. You get to like see each other and, you know, have that more frequent check-in, but you're not feeling this guilt of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to pick up the FaceTime call because this is going to be an hour long call and I've got to pack my lunch and study for clinical tomorrow. Like the five minute, the five minute FaceTime call can be super helpful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just to piggyback off that, I actually have some friends and in the past like six months, we've rekindled a Facebook messenger group, which I know sounds really old school, but it's like two really You know, two childhood friends, we've all lived away from each other for several years. And it's great because people just drop these little, they'll drop memes or they'll drop little snippets about something cool they did that day. I think my, you know, pre, you know, apartment flooding, I think I dropped something about doing a brachial plexus block all by myself. And it's fun to just share these little snippets. And I feel like then when we chat and have those longer conversations, it's not like you have to update on me on everything on your life, you can just give me the highlights because I already know the big picture, which is great. Right. Totally. Excellent. So social domain, uh, it is a big hit. It can be really hard to rebalance. Rebalance is not even the right word to just completely off balance your social paradigms in anesthesia training where your family is not number one. And that's another thing uh, that if you're not in anesthesia school yet to talk to your partners about, you know, we've got podcasts on the anesthesia guidebook about doing anesthesia school with partners, with kids. And that can be a really challenging thing to uh, take that time. But to me, as you said, you know, to see this as a season of time where things are off balance, things are not sub-op, things, things are suboptimal. Uh, you know, Maya, you're living thousands of miles away from your family and the pandemic hit and you can't fly home for the weekend. You know, that like recognizing that that's suboptimal, but it's also a season and, you know, uh, LAS will come life after school and, and things will get, things will get rebalanced down the road. <laughs> All right. So what's next on our list? Uh, the spiritual domain. So Maya, do you want to tackle this one for us? Um, absolutely. So when I think of spiritual, you know, I mean, you think for some folks that can mean thinking about religion or um, things like that. But for me, it's really being mindful and like that search for meaning and purpose. And the challenge is there's just never enough time. It's hard to spend time being reflected on my values and my beliefs, what's truly important to me when the amount of work day to day just seems unending. And so for me, I try to nurture this part of my life by being reflectful and mindful whenever I find time. Um, sometimes that's on the drive home from clinical, I'll turn off the radio, I'll turn off the podcast, and I'll just think about a big question or like how things are going. Or you can do that while you're in the shower too. Um, I also seek 
to spend as much time as I can outside and out of cell phone range, a place where I can really disconnect from the constant connection, good or bad, that cell phones provide and truly be present with myself and those around me. I've actually spent a lot of those three-day weekends that we get in school, so like Fourth of July, Memorial Day, Labor Day, out in the backcountry with one of my really good friends, and I always come back more centered and more at peace. And I think that a lot of that's due to not being able to hear what's going on in my day-to-day life. I can't get emails. I can't get calls. And so while that may be an extreme example, and some people may be saying, why would I want to spend my little time out of school, like getting really dirty and being outside? I think there's value in turning off and setting down my cell phone, even if it's for a morning or two. Um, I know Tamima is going to speak about uh, what she does for this, but I think any way you can take time off from being so incredibly connected and looped in all the time can help you to promote mindfulness and a spiritual connection. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Tamima, what's your take? Yeah. um, So I think, you know, this is very different for each person. Um, For myself, um, I am an Orthodox Jew. um, So um, it's definitely been hard. That's been a huge part of my life since I was little. Um, I always loved being like part of the community. I like like volunteering and being very involved. I've like been a tutor um, for people like new to Judaism, like teaching them about Judaism a little bit. Um, and I've loved that. And a lot of that, I just haven't been able, I tried, I was like trying to keep up like, Hey, we can study today. Oh no, I can't. Like, it was just too hard. I I wasn't able to keep it up. Um, so that's definitely hard and a little sad. Um, but, um, I, um, as an Orthodox Jew, we observe the Sabbath, um, every weekend. So, um, starting at sundown on Friday night to sunset of Saturday, um, we, uh, turn off our phones, um, kind of ter- turn off, um, like no cars, no phones, no laptops, kind of, um, leaving that electricity. Um, we leave our lights on, but, um, and then it's kind of a day to like disconnect to reconnect. Um, so we like disconnect from the busyness of the world and all of that. And we reconnect like to ourselves, to God, to family, to friends. It's just wonderful. It is beyond wonderful. We go to synagogue like Friday night and then we have a Friday night dinner with family and friends and we do the same thing on Saturday day. It's almost like Thanksgiving is like no big deal to any Jews because like we do it every week, <laughs> like every week. <laughs> uh, we're like pros at Thanksgiving dinner. Um, so we do that also like a Saturday lunch and um, it's just a time to like you, you can talk about Jewish ideas or you just talk about family and friends and get together. So I have, I think to some people that sounds terrifying in school to like, 25 hours like taking away every single week like no matter what no matter what exams are coming up no matter what like like things are coming up I don't write I don't use the computer nothing like that um but I think that taking that time to really reconnect um actually makes me like jump back into work stronger more rejuvenated um I feel good. I feel better. I'm very grateful for it. I'm grateful that my program is so supportive of me with it. I spoke to them before I started the program. I was like, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I observe the Sabbath. Is that going to be, I know with clinicals and off shifts and I'm so grateful. They are beyond wonderful. Um, like I'm going to be doing a Saturday night instead of a Saturday day. Like they're just, they're really, they're really wonderful to um, work with me with that. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been great for me and I'm very grateful that I've been able to keep that up through school and hopefully we'll continue on. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I, you have probably blown many people's minds by talking about that and that you are, uh, 
committed to the Sabbath and that you actually observe. So, so just to clarify, you're not doing flashcards. You're not studying. You're not doing anesthesia stuff. You're not, you're not planning projects or doing, doing things at all on the Sabbath that related to work. So you can technically like legally Jewish law or whatever, like you can read, you can, you, it, like we just can't use the laptops and stuff like that. Okay. But I choose not to, like I, ch- I choose to just like fully take it. Um, maybe I had like one weekend where I was just overwhelmed and I like read the textbook. I think that happened like once. Um, but I mostly just, um, take the 25 hours. And as soon as it's, I'm telling you, I'm like working right up till it. And then right after it, I'm jumping back in. I'm like driving home from clinicals, like looking at sundown. I was like, I gotta get home. And then, uh, and then sometimes as soon as it's over, I'll jump back into an assignment. But the 25 hours is like an untouchable time that kind of that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not being an Orthodox Jew, uh, but being familiar with that in Christian uh, traditions that also look at taking something of a Sabbath, you know, um, it can be super helpful, you know, to many people to try to find, I think even, even if, again, if you're not a religious person, I think one of the, mo- I think one of the most important things about the spiritual domain and and maybe people have like just fast forwarded through this section of the podcast but if you're still with us um i think one of the most important things is to recognize that everyone has a spiritual domain regardless if you choose to practice a particular religion uh so being religious and being spiritual are can be one and the same thing for those who choose to practice religion but everyone, even if you're even if you're an atheist, you have a spiritual domain to your life, and it has to do with your values and and what belief systems you operate on. Because everyone has belief systems that you operate on, uh, you know, whatever they may be, and it has to do with connecting. I mean, all of like, it's almost like all of these other dimensions that we're talking about um, kind of exist in some ways you know, they, they cross pollinate, there's threads that go between all of them. But I think the spiritual domain courses through all of these other domains. It affects the way you take care of your body, uh, whether or not you exercise and sleep well and don't abuse drugs and alcohol. It affects how you are an anesthesia provider in your occupation, what, how you choose to, you know, engage your mind, how you balance your emotions and actually keep those in check and keep in touch with those things your social life, of course. The spiritual thread is through all of that. And I think just leaping back to the Sabbath idea, it's very interesting. So even if you're not an Orthodox Jew or some other religious group that practices some sort of observance of a day of rest, it can be profoundly helpful, as Maya said, to just find a time to like change the habit, like shut your phone off, get away from, you know, like don't watch Netflix that night, like do like get away from the technology that so inundates our lives, cook a meal with friends, do something that is just offbeat. And if you practice that on a regular basis, I, I would completely, I'm not surprised at all to me, man, that you're like, yeah, I come back and I feel rested. I feel like I'm ready to go. That, that's the whole point of it. That's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Talked about that. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your story. That's awesome. Uh, and this brings us to the last domain that we're going to talk about, which is the physical domain. So who wants to lead off with this one? 
Uh, I'll jump in. Great. I'll jump in. How physical? Yeah. Um, all right. So physically, yes, it is very hard on us physically <laughs> being in school. Um, I think the first thing that Maya and I were talking about this also that like pops to both of our minds is sleep, like exhaustion, just being exhausted all the time. I wake up in the fours. Who wakes up in the fours? I never knew I would wake up in the fours. <laughs> I do. <laughs> the four o'clock hour. Oh my gosh. And I don't even want to start thinking about when I have clinical sites like over an hour away. I think it might be the threes. You might be waking up in the threes. I'm not thinking about it yet. I'm across that bridge. I'm going to get there. But right now, I'm in the force. <laughs> but, yeah, like, you're just so tired. So tired. You're just – it's just um, – and you've, you've got to focus on your sleep. You just need to. I – in the beginning of clinicals, I was not getting as much sleep. And I realized that I cry less when I have more sleep. That is what I realized. That's really interesting. Like, yes. Very much so. Like – I, I see it. I see it very clearly. So I think from my mouth to yours, if you sleep more, you cry less. I think so. <laughs> so so I think you look up your care plans. You're looking up your patients. You call it. Like you call it at a certain time. As long as you feel safe enough to take care of them, safe enough to be there with your preceptor. You're not a CRNA yet. You know, prepare as much as you can and then get some sleep. Your patients need you to be alert and you need to be alert and um so yeah make sure you get some sleep super important physically exercise um it is so hard especially that first year for other people who are in didactics because clinical days all right you're getting your ten thousand step in like easy you're running all around it's a little crazy i think so no maya what's your face she's Um, like (laughs) i'll talk about it more when i have a chance to talk but i think there's a difference at least for me between intentional movement and for me that means going outside usually Um, And just the movement of being active as like a nurse or a nurse anesthesia student. Um, But I do agree, you know, grateful that this is not a sedentary job and I don't leave the day feeling like I've sat like a potato in a chair all day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really good point. Um, But at least the first year of just didactics on Zoom at home, like virtual didactics, that like that is rough. That is rough. That calls for like late night snacking, just eating chips studying till two in the morning, sitting at your desk, you're like a butt implant on your chair. It is like there, sorry to, but so you, um, yeah, that is really hard. And, um, I have found exercises that I enjoy that are fun for me. Um, I love dancing. So I'm like a, used to be a Zumba instructor. And so I, um, like an, to an orthodox to Jew who's a Zumba instructor. <laughs> yes. <Here for> <laughs> yeah, it is great. You just throw on music and you move and you dance and then suddenly an hour's over and you've burned calories and you've sweated. And if you grab a friend to come with you to Zumba class, boom, you like knocked oh. off so many domains. You got your social in there, you got your physical <laughs> in there. So um yeah, find a workout that's you enjoy and grab a friend to come with you. That would be a suggestion. That's awesome. Maya, what's your take on the physical domain? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the challenge as Tamina said, other than being so exhausted all the time is time, right? Like there's only so much time in the day and the week and it's hard to make time to cook and eat well, to stay active, to get enough sleep. Um, and it's hard to feel like these are top priorities. Um, I also feel like though, these are thankfully some of the most actionable areas in terms of areas of wellness, because you can just decide on an action, you know, and take it, whether that be related to exercising or eating better. Um, 
So for diet, I, you know, exactly what to you, I just said, find a way to eat healthy and balanced. Um, I think the biggest thing I've done is, you know, really shifted to I'll cook once or twice a week and just cook for a long time and do big batch cooking while reviewing anesthesia content or re-listening to lectures a lot of times. Um, I also realized that I wasn't doing well in clinical mornings when I didn't eat breakfast. Um, I was getting hangry and like by 8.30, if I hadn't gone out for breakfast, I was like, mm, I'm starting to, you know, go downhill with my clinical performance because all I can think about is food. Um, so I started making and freezing breakfast burritos and then I'll just pop one out, you know, and reheat it, eat it on my way to clinical in the morning. And I know it sounds trivial, but now I feel like my brain has enough glucose and all those good things in order to work effectively, even if I don't get to step out for lunch until 1 to 2 p.m. And I think more clearly, which is great. Um, I also think physical activity is incredibly important for me. I've always been the type of person who's goal oriented. Like if you tell if I sign up for a race, I'll train for it. But if I don't, I might not move. Um and so I've had to reframe my perspective a little bit. I never thought that walking counted as exercise, which my parents would think I was nuts because they went for a walk. Probably they go for walks like every day. Um, and I started anesthesia school completely online, living in Atlanta, was going crazy, just like Tamina said, with my butt implant in my same chair every day, all day. And so I started going outside for a walk almost every day. And it really helped me to find balance and wellness, even if I was just re-listening to mostly physiology lectures, honestly. Um, me and my roommate also love to review and study for exams on walks. And so we might get crazy looks, but it helps us to get our movement in while we're reviewing pharmacology or anything like that. Um, I've also really amped up my running during grad school. Um, I ran my first marathon last year, 26, for, wow. you know, 26 miles for 26 Congratulations. years. Congratulations. Wow. Oh, wow. 26 for 26. Wow. Nice. Yep. Congratulations. Thank oh you. Um, and like running with classmates is honestly one of my biggest joys in school. And me and one of my classmates are signed up to run a, my first ever mountain trail race this summer. And so that's good just to get me outside, to have a goal. And just like Tamima said, if you do it with a friend, you're hitting that social domain too. And really getting a lot of what you need. Um, so, and then my, you were saying just a minute ago that you find there to be like a distinct difference between just busy on your feet all day at clinical and then actually doing something intentional for your physical well-being. So tell us just a little bit more about that. I absolutely do. And I think for me, um, if I have to distill it to one thing, it's being outside. Um, I just value time spent outside so much. I'm terrible at working out in a gym. And I think that's why I like running and especially trail running is so important for me. I did a wellness challenge, wellness challenge end of one this past November where I wanted to move. It was supposed to be run and then running every day was too hard. So I, my goal was to do on my feet a 5k every day outside every day in November when weather is notoriously pretty doggone terrible. It's rainy. It's cold. It's not really snowing yet. Um, and I think I hit 28 of 30 days and the only nice. two days I didn't, I had weekend clinicals for like 13 hours a day. Um, oh and you know, I was happier. I was more balanced and it was because I got what I needed out of movement every day. Yeah. And so I don't yeah. think that's a, you know, everyone doesn't have to go outside to feel like they've moved their body. For, but for me, I feel like I do. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, anything else from, from you all on the physical domain that you want to talk about? Um, I really agreed with Tamima about sleep. I do encourage anyone who's struggling sleeping to develop like a sleep hygiene routine as corny as it sounds. 
Yes. Um, I realized Netflix before bed doesn't really work well for me. Um, and so that's, again, why I spend a couple of minutes reading, you know, often nonfiction right before bed, herbal tea, things like that. And I also bring my own pillow and my own blanket to away rotations because that gives me a little piece of home and that's a little more comforting to me. So just whatever you need to do in order to get the rest you need to perform at your best, I'd say do it, even if it sounds kooky or sounds crazy when you mention it like this on a podcast. No, I think, I think those things, yeah. I mean, anything to help you sleep well is going to be key. So, uh, you know, sound apps, routines, you know, I, I would agree with both of you on the physical domain. I think I went into anesthesia school not really in a healthy place in my life. Uh, and then I had a turning point where I decided to just try to, I didn't know about, you know, the six dimensions of wellness at that point, but I, I tried to just pivot and move in a direction that was more healthy in a lot of, of these domains. So, and one of them was the physical domain. So, you know, begin emphasizing, like, I'm not just, I'm not going to chill after studying and watch TV and, and blow 45 minutes to an hour at night. I'm going to like get done with studying, try to relax my brain to just de-stress off of that. And then I'm going to go to sleep, you know, I'm going to value sleep and I'm going to try to get a little bit more efficient in the morning. So I don't have to show up to clinical in the fours. You know, I don't think I ever did that, but I would definitely show up to clinical in the fives. And then I got to the point where I could show up to clinical in the sixes, you know, where showing up at six 30 was not a big deal. And whereas, you know, showing up at five 30 was, you know, when it takes you like an hour to do a machine check, you know, you've got some work to do (laughs) and that will get better uh, with time. But I think I, you know, for me, I really dialed in just the habits of eating well, limiting alcohol, sleeping well, and getting regular exercise. And I felt like if I took care of my body, my mind performed so much better. I I handled the stress better. I recovered from uh, emotional setbacks and challenges more effectively. Like it was just, I was better all, all the way around. So where a lot of people, I think, joke about, not even joke about, experience like the anesthesia school 15 or 25, meaning they gain 15, 25 pounds of weight. I think if you can find and build in just these regular habits of sleep, exercise, and nutrition, your body's going to do better and you're going to handle the stress of anesthesia school so much better. So in kind of looking at, go ahead No, I was just saying absolutely. And I like just small tips and tricks that have popped in my head, like getting a fun water bottle with like a a straw that you can have next to you when you're studying and you can put like crystal light in or something to make it taste good, gets your water in, helps you snack less. That's been helpful for me. Um, And like you said about the sleep hygiene, because I was just thinking because like I'm like a night owl. I the nighttime, I no matter how tired I am during the day, I like come alive at night for some reason. And for the other people who are like that out there, I just started like the bedtime earlier, just like start 930, you have an alarm going off. Okay, start. It's it's coming. It's coming. Start winding down. Um, So just starting that earlier um, has been helpful. But yeah, Physical health is good, is uh, very helpful. Yeah, totally. So, you know, looking at the six dimensions of wellness kind of globally, this was the first time that it really made sense to me when people were like, well, try, you know, find balance in your life. I always thought that was like a little ethereal, like, I, yeah, I don't know, what are you like, what are you actually talking about? But to me, when I step back and I look at these, you've got six domains, you've got occupational, physical, social, intellectual, spiritual, and emotional. And I think when we give 
equal weight to these, equal time and attention to these in our lives that it brings into focus in a very practical way this idea of balance, that it's not all occupational and intellectual, that you need to look at your physical life. It's not all occupational and intellectual. I keep going back on that because that's what we experience as SRNAs, but like you need to build in your social life and that by tapping into more of a balance in each of these six domains, you become a more resilient human being and you're able to weather the stress of an anesthesia program so much better. Your, your performance in the things that you really care about and focus on, which is how you're doing in anesthesia school, how you're doing in clinical, whether or not you're like overstressed from this experience and you're short with the people that you care most about in your life, like your performance in all of these things get better when you do actually like put the cell phone down or turn the TV off or eat a healthy meal and get, get good sleep, like you get better at doing life. That's one of the main takeaways that I've got from looking at uh, this paradigm in the six dimensions of wellness. And I wonder if there's anything that the two of you would share just kind of as we uh, round off on this in summary. Yeah, I can share. I think, um, again, like, you know, I heard this talk or something really similar a year ago, and it was really impactful for me to try to dial in these areas in my life. And, you know, to speak about wellness historically in our profession has been retroactive, right? Like we think about folks who end up diverting drugs or abusing substances, and that's been our focus on wellness. And now I love that we're shifting to being a little more proactive um, and dialing in these things before those emergencies happen. Like I know personally, I think, you know, the, this past week has probably been the most stressful wow. period of my life in school for sure. Like I thought it would have been a pandemic. Nope. It's, it's right now. Um, and I can't say I'm doing absolutely amazing, but I think by having a lot of these things, at least fairly dialed in and having systems for these in place, I'm not drowning. Um, you know, those thoughts of like substance diversion, like didn't even cross my mind, thankfully. Um, and so I think having systems in place, so you're ready for that next catastrophe that, you know, is lurking, you know, to come around the corner, just that next challenge, that challenging preceptor, that challenging patient, that challenging surgeon, by being proactive, I think you really set yourself up for success. And I'm just so thankful that a scaffold exists, that forums like your podcast to the ANA wellness resources exist to support people on this journey because, you know, I know wellness matters and dialing in those things before those stressful days are just so crucial. And I'm so thankful that there is a bigger shift to being proactive about wellness in our profession. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the positive comment on the podcast. And and I agree with you on both of those things that a, a shift towards looking in a proactive way at wellness for our community and our association, the AANA. And then specifically what you said about, you know, building a scaffolding of habits that you have gotten in the habit of running, of getting good sleep, of taking your pillow and blanket to away locations, you know, <laughs> of building these social connections in these routine, like, you know, when your apartment flooded and you're driving back from clinical, it's not the first time that you FaceTime that person in school, you've been FaceTiming these people or calling them, you know, on your commute from clinical. And so you're touching base with this uh, social support network and you've got this, I think that's an interesting way to put it, the scaffolding in place. Uh, these habits built up to keep you moving in the right direction to help you weather these storms. So really well put, Maya. Thank you. Uh, Tamima, anything that you want to share in terms of sounding off on this topic? Yeah. Um, I think that I, uh, what I think about is while I'm like 
so, so excited for this career path and I'm so excited to be a CRNA and I'm really like enjoying the clinicals and, and excited to, to do this. I, I like not having my whole identity become an SRNA that that's not like my and like a total entity, like who I am. Um, I like focusing, there's all these other dimensions in us. Like we have all these other aspects to us as well. That doesn't have to get swallowed up by being an SRNA. Um, and I have been grateful that when I have been able to find the balance, balance is what you're saying. It's I, I, that's like my thing. That's why I love this. That's why I love being on this community. Like I strive and I want everyone to like feel balanced. Like, Yes, like evenly spread out. Um, while it's really hard, but you know, when I have a clinical day, I started these short workout classes, like 30 minute classes twice a week that I go to after clinicals. And I'm like, I wake up at four in the, like I wake up so early, I have a full day of clinicals, I prep the next day, I go to work out, I spend time with my husband, and you just feel like, Amazing! I'm just like I am doing such a good job. I am crushing this. I am so good. I say that sometimes. I'm like I say that sometimes. I was like I'm doing so well. I was like, do you know I worked out like and I had clinicals like that's so great. So you know it just feels good like doing a good job. It's so important to not let all these other parts of your life uh, just get swept away for three years. You can't have that. It's important. It's important, and you're important, and you know, you deserve the time and, um, to, to have all these other dimensions, you know, nourished as well, as best as you can. They can't be, you know, as ideal as you would like it to be, but as best as you can, giving a little bit of love to each of these dimensions, I think is vital. Yeah. Sometimes your apartment floods, you know, (laughs) honestly, haven't gone for a run all week. Don't even feel bad about it. (laughs) Uh, so, so it's, you know, I try to tell our SRNAs about growing in the clinical environment. You know, you want to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Like you're always going to be kind of pushing the boundaries of your knowledge and out of your comfort zone and stuff. And, and anesthesia school is a little bit about that in general. And, you know, you need to, you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable, but I think, uh, we can build proactively, this balance into our lives where, yeah, we're not, we're not going to be get gobbled up by anesthesia school that we can push back a little bit and find ways to still bring portions of ourselves forward that are really important, uh, or just maximize, you know, the balance in these six dimensions so that we can, uh, crush anesthesia school and get through and be successful and feel good about it and not hit LAS life after anesthesia school completely beat, beat down, depleted, and just like sliding across home plate, all bloodied and beat up. But like you finish that and you're stoked. Like you feel good. It's a, it's an accomplishment. And yes, we're ready for rest. We're ready for all the things that life after anesthesia school brings. Um, but we're getting there uh, as whole people along the way. So, well, thank you so much to both of you. It's been so much fun to chat with each of you. And I wish you the absolute best in your programs. And Maya, I hope your stuff dries out. I hope everything goes well. Uh, Tamima, congratulations on your one-year anniversary with your husband. It was so much fun to hear about him uh, tonight as well. So thank you so much uh, for both of you. Yeah, thank you so much. This was so much fun. We should do this again. It's fun. For sure. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having us. Definitely a dream to even come close to being on the podcast. Uh, you're on it, Maya. You're on it. We're doing it. <laughs> 
the first of maybe many. All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much. Hey, y'all. John here. If you're digging the show, will you take a couple of minutes and drop a review of Anesthesia Guidebook on Apple Podcasts? Your comments and ratings help other people trust the show. Also, send a link to the podcast to your classmates and colleagues. Word of mouth is the best way for Guidebook to grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.